the liturgical, sacramental, and ascetical life of the church is mystical participation in the life of Christ. Put simply, the Christian life is participation in the life of Christ. It's living together the life of Jesus. Thus, Lent is a participation in the fasting and temptation of Jesus. As I said on Ash Wednesday, it's a journey into the wilderness with Christ so that we might do battle with and share in Christ's victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil. To share in his victory. Christ went into the wilderness. I mean, do you ever wonder why Jesus did the things that he did in the gospel? Was it just something to do until his crucifixion? What, is it arbitrary? Or does it have meaning? Christ went into the wilderness to bring victory where there had been failure. Christ went into the wilderness as the second Adam to right an ancient wrong. The word became flesh to conquer in the flesh that to which our first parents and we along with them succumbed, namely temptation. Thus, the temptation of Christ is a recapitulation of Adam and Eve's temptation in the garden. And it's a rematch. It's a do-over. It's a rematch with the serpent. It's also a recap of the Exodus, which we'll get to in a minute. And it's a recap. It's the summary of the life of the church. For Christ has overcome the temptations, which we now face at present, in the wilderness of this present age. And what is it that we face in this present age? What is it that we face in the world? 1 John 2, 15 through 16. So there's, I'll just tell you, there's three passages you're going to have to hold in your head. And two of them are in front of you, so you'll be okay. Is the Old Testament lesson, Genesis 2 and 3, then the gospel, of course, and then this passage I'm about to read you, which is 1 John chapter 2. This is verses 15 and 16. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And this is not of the Father, but it is of the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. These are the ways in which we are tempted. And this goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Thus, John doesn't pull these categories out of thin air. He didn't make them up for book sales. He gets them from Genesis chapter 3. Listen, Satan tempts Eve to eat of the forbidden fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Verse 6. The woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desired to make one wise. Good for food, the lust of the flesh. Pleasing to the eyes, the lust of the eyes. Desirable to make one wise, the pride of life. 
And Satan in the wilderness with Jesus employs the exact same strategy that he did back in the garden. He twists the word of God. He twists the scriptures and he appeals to the flesh, the eyes, that is their illicit use, and to pride. And there's an appeal to pride in all three of Satan's attacks, you could say. Listen. Command this stone to become a loaf of bread, lust of the flesh. The devil showed him, showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world, the lust of the eyes. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here, the pride of life. Jesus conquers the temptations to which Adam and Eve succumbed, to which all of us have fallen. Christ goes back to the, the beginning and he engages in that primal battle. In essence, what he's doing is saying, hey, Satan, let's run that back. He goes back to the primal battle and he engages Satan and he's utterly victorious. Again, it's this recap. It's this work of new Genesis. It's also a work of new Exodus. The similarity in language, uh, particularly in Matthew's gospel, uh, and this, the, sequ- the similarity in language and the sequence of events between the Exodus, the events of the Exodus, and the temptation of Christ, the similarity is striking. This, here's the order of things in the Old Testament. Here it is. Israel is delivered from Egypt. They're enslaved in Egypt. They're delivered from Egypt by the blood of lambs. Israel goes through the waters of the Red Sea, is led by the pillar of fire and cloud in the wilderness. And on account of their faithlessness, the Israelites wander in the wilderness for 40 years. So that's the order. Jesus, the perfect lamb of God, comes out of Egypt Matthew 2, for the holy family had sought refuge there from Herod. He goes through the waters of baptism, the Spirit descending upon him, and is then led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he is utterly faithful amidst trial and tribulation and temptation. Thus Jesus, as the one-man remnant, as the faithful Israelite recapitulates Israel's history, not repeating their mistakes, but redeeming them from them, and not only Israel, but the whole world. So the temptation of Christ, again, it's not arbitrary. Why is he out there for 40 days? Uh, It's just, you know, a good long time. No, because he's redeeming our faithfulness according to the flesh when we wandered in the wilderness in Abraham. So the temptation of Christ is this recap of Genesis, of the Exodus, and the life of the church. For Christ is the second Adam, the faithful Israelite, and the head of the church. We were in Egypt, enslaved to sin, death, the archetypal Pharaoh, Satan. We were delivered by the blood of the spotless Lamb of God. We went through the waters of baptism to new life. We were indwelt with the Holy Spirit. God said over us, 
You are my beloved son. It's just amazing. And now as we journey through the wilderness of this present age, we are to be led by the spirit rather than the desires of our flesh. We are to imitate Christ, for example, in fasting. Put another way, we are to join the fast of Christ. He fasted, not for his own sake, Jesus didn't need to fast, but for our sake, he fasted and endured temptation for us. St. Gregory the Great, 6th century Bishop of Rome, wrote this. It was not unworthy of our Redeemer to wish to be tempted, who came also to be slain, in order that by his temptations he might conquer our temptations, just as by his death he overcame our death. The Christian life is a participation in the life of Jesus. And we share in the victory of Christ over temptation by virtue of our union with him. He is our head and we are his mystical body. So so it's through Christ and by virtue of our union with him, the benefits of which are appropriated through the ascetic, liturgical, and sacramental life of the church. That is through prayer, through fasting, through almsgiving, through all manner of godly spiritual disciplines, through scripture, through, of course, the sacraments, and yes, sorry, repentance. The Christian life necessarily includes repentance, the turning away from sin and turning to Christ, that 180, that change, uh, uh, the change of mind, that is the change of our noose, the eye of our soul, the minds of, of who we are from the inside out. The Christian life is a life of repentance. Thus, in the Christian life in general, and in Lent in particular, we go into the wilderness with Jesus to put to death the old man, Adam, unfaithful Israel, and to put on the new man, Christ, the second Adam, the faithful Israelite. We are indeed new creations in Christ Jesus. That is our identity. But we know from Scripture, and frankly, we know even more from experience, that although we're new creation, new creations in Christ, the vestiges of the old hang around. Adam, Eve, unfaithful Israel. Thus, we have to learn to live as we are in Christ instead of living in our old identity. We have to starve the old man. That is the old nature. We have to put to death in practice the old nature and feed the new man, nurture the new nature that we have in Christ. And Lent is focus primarily on the former, the putting to death of the old sinful nature. This is called mortification. 
literally putting to death. And this comes in part from Paul's letter to the Colossians. Colossians 3, 5. And if you read the first part of that chapter, he spent so much time telling them about their identity in Christ, what Christ has done for them and in them. And in light of their identity, their new identity in Christ, this is what he says in verse 5. Put to death what is earthly in you. Put to death what is earthly in you. And brothers and sisters, we crucify the flesh and its passions through practices such as prayer and fasting and almsgiving, which are the three pillars of Lent and our weapons in the wilderness against the world, the flesh and the devil. When we fast, for example, the way that Jesus calls us to, not for vanity or for show, we bring our bodies into submission under the Spirit. We learn to be led by the Spirit instead of our bestial desires. We learn to live under the law of liberty instead of the tyranny of our impulses. We declare like Jesus that our food is to do the will of God and that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Thus, the scriptures, too, are a weapon in the wilderness. It is with the sword of the spirit that we combat and defeat the lies and wiles of the devil. We need, like Jesus, to know the scriptures well enough that we recognize when it's being twisted and perverted. And finally, Israel was fed in the wilderness with manna. And we, the church, are fed and sustained in our wilderness with the bread of heaven, with the food of angels, and with the cup of salvation. We're sustained with the most precious body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because ultimately, we share in his victory over temptation his victory over sin and death and the devil through participating sacramentally in his victory on the cross. All of our ascetic struggle, all All of our, our disciplines, all of our engagement in the life of the church are not those things for themselves, but they're all focused on the crucified and risen Jesus who gives us his flesh and blood that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body and our souls washed through his most precious blood. Why? Again, it's about participation. It's about union. What do we pray? That we may evermore dwell in him and he in us. So may all praise and glory be to Christ who goes into the wilderness as the second Adam, as the faithful Israelite, and as the head of his mystical body, the church. And let us this Lent truly journey into the wilderness with Christ as Christ's mystical body, sustained in prayer and discipline and the reading of scripture and service, sustained by the sacrament of his body and blood so that we might do battle with and share in his victory over temptation, his victory over the world, the flesh, 
and the devil. Amen.